When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up, everybody? Welcome in Friday episode of the show. Of course, as we roll on, getting closer and closer to kickoff South Carolina versus Arkansas special morning edition of the show. Chris, do you know what the single biggest complaint about GC Live is in the history of the show? I have a I, – I don't know if my answer will be right. I have a guess. Um, I think, b- based on statistical evidence, it's how red my face is sometimes. Well, is that- okay. That's actually first. You're right. Um, <laughs> right. Se- second is our backgrounds, that our backgrounds suck. Yes. Um, Not very so, valid. Yes, we have traded in our normal backgrounds for. Actually, I would say, let, let's let's do this. You got Willie B yep. in the background here. Yep. And then Chris has gone the absolute scenic route. <laughs> so if you're listening to this show on the podcast, uh, fast forward right now because you have no idea what we're talking about. But or just go watch it on YouTube. Chris, you were informing me before we got going. What is the nickname for the state of Arkansas where you are right now? Is the natural state. There you go. And beautiful vibes behind Chris. Uh, We're going to talk about this game. We're going to dive into it. Uh, Chris, you missed what I thought was some excellent insight from Andrew Hutchinson yesterday on the show. And... um, it was interesting, you know, we always do the, like, what did we learn thing. Most of it was confirmation. Um, you know, we've been saying all week long, starts with K.J. Jefferson. That's the first thing he brought up. K.J. Jefferson, can you stop him? And uh, just the improvements he has made in the passing game and sort of being a better all-around player. So, you know, I, I don't want for us just to repeat what we've been saying all week long. But at the same time, if we're giving final thoughts on this game, especially for people who maybe haven't listened or watched every podcast, I do think the Arkansas conversation still ultimately does have to start with K.J. Jefferson. Yeah, it's kind of like when you're reading, uh, you know, a book, specifically like a textbook or something. Uh, if, If something is said more than once or is repeated over and over is kind of a theme. It, it means it's important, you know, and so similar thing with Arkansas. Um, and, and I had a chance, Wes, to go back and listen to your chat with Andrew, and it, it was fantastic. I mean, uh, confirmed some things we knew, learned a lot. He's kind of uh, encyclopedic in his knowledge about, about the Razorbacks, obviously, which is why we try to have him on every year. But it does start with Jefferson, and I thought Andrew made a great point in that you know, Kendall Browse is kind of a – he became kind of a hot commodity um, in terms of offensive 
you know, play calling and game planning with some of the things he's done in his career. And a lot of people think of, okay, throwing the ball, but it, it starts with running it and it starts with KJ Jefferson because he can do so many different things for you. It's a very difficult scheme to play against because of how they administer the run game. But, you know, he, he's a guy that I think we covered this last show for everything that South Carolina had to prepare for against Georgia state and their quarterback, who is also a guy who could run at some, who's, very, very efficient. K.J. Jefferson is that plus more. You know, you kind of take the talent level up, take the skill level up. You're talking about a guy that had a breakout season last year and, you know, 70% almost on his passing, put up a lot of yards, um, threw a bunch of touchdowns, and I think he had four interceptions the entire last year. Wes, I don't think K.J. Jefferson has thrown a pick. I'll effort this during the show. I think it's been eight or nine games since he's thrown an interception. So um, really, really efficient player and really difficult to prepare for. Yeah, y'all y'all may have to bear with me a bit on the wind here. I'm going to try to get this mic a little bit closer to me. If it's bad audio, I apologize. Uh, by the way, happy football weather to everybody out there. Um, I, I don't know how it is in Arkansas right now, Chris. Oh. <laughs> it it is, is perfection here. It is amazing here. We got out. So we drove to Arkansas, which I know that seems insane, but I actually recommend it if you can. Um, going off the natural state theme again, the last – once we crossed into Arkansas, the last about three, four hours or so, I haven't seen that much green in a long time. I mean, a, a lot of trees, mountainous kind of areas. It, it was really, really pretty. Um, yeah, but it, it's been great. I mean, it's been – right now it's chilly, honestly, which is kind of crazy. And then during the day, it's been sunny, um, kind of hot. You can look and it'll be, you know, 90 degrees, but it's really not that hot. So um, it's been fantastic out here. Definitely football weather. Yeah, so Chris, um, now we have a, a construction truck rolling in behind me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let you talk while this is getting situated behind me. Yep. What? Uh, now that you listen to what Andrew had to say, any other takeaways other than, hey, K.J. Jefferson is amazing? <laughs> yeah. So the part that I was really tuned in to hear was his thoughts on Arkansas's defense. You know, I, I think we've looked at this game and said, hey, here's a bunch of different storylines that are going to be relevant to how this game plays out. Um, but I think the two injuries to the Arkansas secondary – are one of the biggest storylines um, because I think when you're looking at South Carolina's offense versus the Arkansas defense, you're, you're kind of looking at it going, okay, what are some matchups that they can possibly exploit? We know Spencer Rattler based on even what he did last week and not his best game against Georgia state, but just some of the throws that he made even in that game and what he's done during his career, what we know he can do. You look at that, you look at what Arkansas did against Cincinnati um, or what Cincinnati did against Arkansas in the passing game, you go, okay, you know, there's some opportunities here for Spencer Rattler and these Gamecock receivers, tight ends, running backs. Then you add to that, West that they've got, you know, uh, got a construction truck of my own here, sorry, going down the street. You add to that that they've got two pretty critical injuries at a position where they don't have a lot of depth. So Jalen Catalan, Miles Slusher, both I think were pretty highly ranked recruits that Arkansas got to the fold. Both went down against Cincinnati, and Andrew really didn't – doesn't sound like he expects either to play. Now, they do have a couple guys with some talent. Former 
South Carolina commitment, Jaden Johnson at nickel. And then this is one I forgot, Wes, Latavius Brini, who started some games last year for Georgia, you know, and, and is a good player. So it's not like they're throwing out guys with no talent or guys that can never that have never played. Um, they've got some guys back there, but it is thin. Um, and there's also a reason that, that Slusher and Catalan were starting. So I think that that was an important area for us to hear about when we're kind of analyzing this game because that's an area we thought South Carolina may be able to take advantage and I, I still feel that way. There's a lot that will have to fall into place. Yeah, man, and, uh, the injury thing was kind of interesting. It was sort of like, you know, when we hear things, and, and it, it seems like that's a big topic of discussion with every fan base is injury information. And it's kind of like I, I took it from Andrew as like, all right, I can't really report that these guys are definitely out, but um, – they're out, you know, like they're not expected to play unless they make some huge improvements uh, between now and there. Um, it is very, very interesting how many, I guess, just almost weird level connections there are between South Carolina and Arkansas, considering they're, you know, geographically not that close together. Uh, one's a West team, one's an East team. And it, it's kind of like, you get it when there are like all these connections, maybe with rivals or schools that are a little bit closer together. South Carolina and Arkansas, you have two head coaches that coach together at Georgia. Um, you have a couple of receivers. Um, Jaden Hazelwood was at Oklahoma when Shane Beamer was there. He was at Oklahoma, obviously, when Spencer Rattler was there. Uh, you have another transfer receiver who was at Georgia, then was somewhere else. Um, do you remember? Yeah. So then, you know, he was there when, when obviously Beamer was at Georgia. Then you throw in the fact Justin Stepp, South Carolina's receivers coach, was um, the coach at Arkansas, but was highly involved in recruiting Arkansas's current running back and tight end because they have yeah. made position changes. It's super um, weird. It's just you have Jaden Johnson, as you mentioned, former Gamecock commitment. So uh, it, it's interesting. And um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just for, – for, for what used to be a yearly rivalry, like not maybe not rivalry, but you played South Carolina – South Carolina Arkansas played every year. Permanent opponent. Now, um, Jamie, as Jamie mentions, Deke Adams is the D-line coach at Arkansas. There's another connection. Um, yep. It's interesting to me. I feel like we, collective we, South Carolina media fans, everybody here, we haven't really had to think about Arkansas for a long time. Like It was like every year, and then they disappeared. And now, in typical South Carolina fashion, you catch them when they've gotten good again. Yeah. Always happens. They, they missed the moon years. Yeah. That is a South Carolina conspiracy theory I buy into completely. The Gamecocks <laughs> always catch teams on the up. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, I don't think I would have just randomly thought, oh, yeah, there's a ton of ties between South Carolina and Arkansas, but there actually are. Yeah. I mean, Justin Step recruiting. I mean, you remember covering Raheem Rocket Sanders, his, uh, his recruitment guy that South Carolina was pretty heavily in the game with out of Florida and player I really liked out of high school, really, really liked him. And Step was able to 
come in and, and get him to, you know, not pick a bunch of schools in the southeast and go out west to Arkansas, which was a big get. Trey Knox, their tight end, who's I, I was jarring the other day, West, seeing him and how big he's gotten, you know, putting on that weight for tight end, which Andrew also talked about. But he was a talented kid, I believe, out of Tennessee, right? Uh, was was Trey Knox, who was another highly rated, you know, receiver that, that Steph was able to recruit. And there were several of those during his time under Chad Morris at Arkansas. So, yeah, the, I mean, the Deke Adams tie, bunch of ties on, on this staff. And so I think it's just a really, really fascinating game. Those ties, you know, those are those are included in some of the reasons. But I think over anything else, Wes, this was just one of those games that I think probably Arkansas fans and South Carolina fans both circled, you know, heading into this year as being really, really important, you know, going into the 2022 season. Because if either of these programs, I think, want to have the type of success that they'd like to find this season, which is, you know, obviously bare minimum getting back to a bowl, um, but taking a step up in their conference or in their division, um, this is a game that's very, very important to both of those teams. You look at South Carolina, we know the type of stretch that they're going to face, you know, beginning next week with Georgia and then on into conference play and playing Clemson. Arkansas, you know, is also going to have a tough road ahead playing in the SEC West. So this is a critical game, I think, for both of those teams. Well, and I think – Interestingly enough, even though uh, there's one year of difference between when Pittman took over at Arkansas and when Beamer took over here, so you're a little bit, from an Arkansas perspective, ahead, so to speak. Not that you always have this, like, linear, straight-up, um, you know, uh, progression as a program, but you had an extra year to sort of get in, get your coaches in, install your system, get your players, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, man, there are a lot of parallels to the way people have been talking about Arkansas in the West and the way they've been talking about South Carolina in the East, sort of as being that dark horse. I, I think we're all, especially like na- national and SEC-wide media, kind of looking for where, where's where's kind of the fun storyline this year of the team that isn't Georgia or isn't Alabama in the West that can like step up and be somebody new to talk about. I feel like that's something the media is always looking for. The winner of this game, and I've said this all offseason, I think the winner of this game, even though South Carolina turns right around and plays Georgia next week, and Georgia will be a huge favorite, um, I don't think anybody's going to turn around realistically and say South Carolina's the favorite in the East if they win this game. They're not. But – I think South Carolina at least enters the conversation. Like, it will at least be a question this week if they can win Saturday of, well, hey, how good is this South Carolina team? Can they be a dark horse in the East? And can they compete with Georgia on Saturday? I think it's a massive game for South Carolina for perception. I think it would be a huge uh, recruiting win for them that they could point to. Because it gives you, you know, let, let's kind of play it forward. It gives you an opportunity to have a really nice start to the first half of this season, even with a loss to Georgia, as opposed to going into the Georgia game. Again, highly favored Georgia looking at 0-2 in the SEC. So I, I think it just changes the perception and conversation around South Carolina's start to the season if they can find a way 
to go beat this Arkansas team. And Wes, maybe even, you know, because of what you said, Arkansas being a year ahead in their progression under, under a period under Sam Pittman. Um, I, I think even which team wins could be perceived differently, right? So if Arkansas wins, they're favored, they're at home, they're, you know, a year ahead with Sam Pittman relative to where Beamer is in the timeline. And so I think it'll be more, Hey, you know, Arkansas continuing to maybe take a step up if South Carolina wins. Now it's okay. Shane Beamer in year two, he's gone on the road and beat a ranked opponent and beat a head coach on the road that he used to work with and has gotten a lot of buzz nationally and as a year ahead in the progression timeline. So I agree with you recruiting when they can point to another point, another thing in terms of their timeline that they can point to as a progression point to, to everyone because this is a team that, if I'm not mistaken, I think they were one and four on the road last year. I mean, they beat East Carolina in comeback fashion, but all the other games, you know, they lost. You know, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Missouri performed very poorly in two of those games and lost another one in very disappointing fashion to Missouri. So that's, the, that's another kind of natural next step for this team is can you go and, and beat a ranked opponent and do it on the road? Big, big game, and I think it would kind of change that conversation, like you said, and it would build a lot more excitement going into the UGA game. Yeah, by the way, uh, we mentioned our view earlier. I am uh, on the top of the cockaboose at the Market Party Express, uh, brought to you by Market on Main. As you all know, uh, most of you probably know, lots of times last year, Fridays, we'd be at Market on Main, which is the excellent restaurant on Main Street in Columbia, South Carolina. They have bought this cockaboose and turned it into the Market Party Express. Uh, you can book it for, uh, you know, I don't know, for, for pretty much anything. If you want to throw a party, if you uh, have a graduation party, um, they actually are selling tickets for game days to come out here and experience it. So be on the lookout. The Gamecock Central Instagram, that's at Gamecock Central, later on today, I will be making a post on there asking for predictions for South Carolina, Arkansas. The closest prediction will win two party passes to the Market Party Express, um, essentially $200 worth, I think, uh, to come out and party for the Georgia game. So it's a, it's a game-by-game thing here. You buy a ticket to come out, party at the Market, Market Party Express. Uh, be on the lookout that for that Instagram, at Gamecock Central. I'll post it later on. Closest score to the Arkansas-South Carolina final score will win those tickets. Um, Chris, I thought it was very interesting – what Andrew Hutchinson, um, again, best of ArkansasSports.com, said about Barry Odom and um, his willingness to tweak his defense from a week to week standpoint. And he said, uh, you know, essentially they were in maybe two kind of base defensive looks last year. He said they've sort of been much more multiple this year. They've, uh, they can be four man, they can be three man front. Uh, four two five, I think, is still sort of their main base defense, but they've introduced some old Charlie Strong three three five, um, some three two six. I'm very very curious to see how Barry Odom, who I, I swear, man, from what I remember, maybe I'm misremembering it. It felt like when he was at Missouri as the DC before he took over. They were like a big just sit back in in zone and sort of um, kind of make you 
go down the field chunk by chunk by chunk team. Um, seems like that's maybe adjusted a bit as far as what they do now. But I'll be curious to see how he decides to play South Carolina. Are you putting that guy in the box? Are you putting that guy back to try to help your your defense um, kind of get a little bit more help in the passing game, secondary help, an extra safety back? Do you even feel like you trust enough DBs to go into this three-two-six, uh, essentially dime look that that they've talked about? And if they play the safety back and you're going too high, does that open up something in the running game? for South Carolina. Um, I think that's a huge key. Like if you're watching on TV, watch the two safeties is one guy back and one is up in the box or both guys back. And then it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. If, if both guys are back, it maybe opens up the running game for South Carolina a bit, but if both guys are back and then additionally, South Carolina still cannot run the football. That is a recipe for a very long day. Yeah, that'd, long be, long. That'd, be a, that'd be a very bad sign. You know, I think just obviously the game plan will be different from opponent to opponent. But when we go back and look at, you know, what Arkansas did defensively against Cincinnati, I mean, we, we laid it out on a, on a show earlier this week, Wes. Cincinnati did not play well at all. I mean, that, that ended up being a close game. It was a – a one touchdown game and Cincinnati played about as poorly as possible on offense at times, you know, they, uh, they missed two field goals. Another time they got, they were in field goal range, had a penalty and then got backed up and had to punt. Uh, They missed some huge plays uh, in the passing game. So they did not play very well, did not take advantage of all their opportunities. Now they obviously did enough around that defensively and offensively to be able to have some success. So for South Carolina, they will consistently need to find that success. But I think we saw a variety of things from Arkansas. There were times where they brought four and I thought that were, you know, Cincinnati was able to find some things in the passing game when they did that both on the perimeter and downfield. They found some success in the screen game um, when Arkansas sent pressure one of them was a play I laid out earlier this week. They had, I think, a, a second and 16 or maybe even a third and long and had a just a little running back screen, and it hit for a big play, and they got down to about the one, but they had a penalty. So as we have laid out, South Carolina's had a lot of trouble in the screen game, but Arkansas may blitz. You know, they have some packages, and I think Barry Odom, when he's looking back at last week with Georgia State versus South Carolina – the Gamecocks obviously had some issues at times picking up movement up front, and then they had some issues picking up blitzes from the secondary or for some different spots. So that'll, I think, will be a point of emphasis this week for South Carolina for you know with the offensive line, tight ends, receivers, and Spencer Rattler being able to pick up those pressures and be on the same page to be able to get the ball out. I think that that's something that I'm pretty convicted of in this game is that South Carolina is going to have some opportunities in the passing game. But when they do, they need to be able to convert them and hit them. And I think that will open up the running game, West. They may have to work backwards in order to to be able to effectively run the ball. Yeah, and they're, they're absolutely going to have to hit those big plays, man. And I, I think I'm, I'm still pretty torn on this game, Chris. And 
the reason why is partially what you just said. Like, I think there are going to be opportunities for Rattler, especially outside the pocket. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. We had the discussion earlier this week. I think this was on the 107.5 show, which is 11 to noon um, every weekday. How, you know, how would Arkansas, from like their perspective, how would they look at this game and say what on South Carolina's offense most concerns us? And we said um, yesterday, Rattler outside of the pocket making big plays is sort of like if you're South Carolina's defensive coaches, you write KJ Jefferson's name on a big board and you just circle it in permanent marker. If you're Arkansas and you're Barry Odom and you're the defensive staff, you write contain Spencer Rattler in the pocket and then you circle it in permanent marker as well. So if that's what they're looking at saying, this is what we're concerned about from a South Carolina perspective, it only makes sense that you say, all right, try as much as you can. I know some of those things just happen naturally. Like, it just it has to play out like that. How can you maybe or can you manufacture some ways to, to then get Rattler outside of the pocket and allow him to make some plays? I, I think that's that's a massive key to this game. And, and those little plays, Chris, that we all – maybe by the end of the game you've forgotten that, you know, a pass that's maybe – that's a deep ball and your receiver has a step do you make the perfect throw or is it, is it missed by half a yard? Is it one of those plays where the throw is catchable, but the receiver can't quite haul it in. And then you just kind of erase that from your brain. To me, those, those plays are probably going to be available at some point in this game. Uh, Yeah. Do do you hit them or not? You know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you have a, you have a low margin for error that this is not, we saw last week, I mean, with Cincinnati, that was a pretty evenly matched game overall. You just look at kind of the eyeball test. You didn't watch that game and say Arkansas is way better or Cincinnati's way better, but Cincinnati played less disciplined football at the end of the day. Um, they missed a lot more opportunities. And Arkansas, you know, you look at K.J. Jefferson, his line in that game was great. I don't actually think he even played as well as his line indicated. He he had one of his kind of typical performances where he was 70%, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, they did have a fumble on a mesh point inside their own five. And guess what? Cincinnati couldn't come away with any points. None. <laughs> they didn't get any points. So uh, you look at some of the other plays they had overthrowing a receiver in the end zone, missing on some big plays in one-on-one situations down the field, having big plays called back. These are the types of things that South Carolina has to avoid. I don't think, you know, whatever you think about which team should be favored from a talent standpoint on paper, this is a pretty evenly matched game. Next week, you know, I think the conversation will be different because we'll be saying Georgia is one of the most talented teams in the country, one of the deepest. They should be favored. Here's why. A lot of it has to do with talent. This time it's more evenly matched, so it comes down to can you can you play well on the road on the road in that environment? Um, can you play the cleaner game? Can you hit the big plays when they're available? Those those are the things that really matter. So those plays will be there, and and they've got to hit them. There's no doubt. I mean, the difference between you know 
maybe Jalen Brooks or whoever else gets a step on a receiver, can Spencer Rattler hit him? We know he can, but do they happen within the course of the game? Yeah, does he? Does does it happen tomorrow? I Man, I'll I tell you what, again, my point earlier, we don't really pay a ton of attention. Well, I'll speak for myself. I haven't paid a ton of attention to Arkansas the last few years unless it was just like, you know, hey, Arkansas is in a tighter game than we expected, and I happen to be – you know, it's a Carolina road game. I happen to be in a position to be able to flip over and watch them. I don't think I realize, Chris, not not that it's the same team from year to year. We know teams lose guys, they add guys. But obviously several, lots of major contributors from last year's Arkansas team are back with this team. I honestly did not realize. Like I, I watched them get smashed by Georgia last year like everybody else did. And sort of was like, well, you know, may, you know, they're they're kind of just beating some teams that um, aren't that great. You go back and look, man. They they lost to Ole Miss, but that was fifty two to fifty one last year. They beat uh, Texas forty to twenty one. They beat. Here's the one that really catches your attention. Looking back, they beat Texas A and M. Not that we're we're not believers in the uh, transitive property here, as far as you know, this team beat this team, this team didn't beat this team. However, that is impressive that this is an AM team we have seen South Carolina struggle to stay on the field with the last few years. They beat AM 20 to 10 last year. Um, that they did, interestingly enough, lose to an Auburn team that South Carolina beat, but then they turn around, they beat Mississippi State. They win at LSU in overtime. They lose by a touchdown to Alabama, who goes on to play in the national championship. They beat Penn State in the bowl game, and they beat a Missouri team 34-17 to last year that South Carolina lost to at Missouri. So if you want to talk about resumes, both teams are 1-0 for this season, but I have a hard time ignoring what these guys were able to do as a program last year like when i when we say they're further along than south carolina as far as their progression they've already established i think some uh some credibility um you know as a program and being able to win some big games and i i think um you know i kind of went into it thinking well maybe arkansas just isn't quite that good and then the more i looked back on what they did last year i was like you know if, if carolina wins this game it it will probably be the most – it would be their best win of the Beamer era to this point. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it, I think people forget – you know, we talk about kind of the rise of Arkansas because of how much they struggled at the end of the Morris era and then Pittman coming in, and it's been obvious that they've taken a jump up and, you know, just culture and what they've done on the field, and you kind of forget, you know, what they did last year and how impressive it was, even in those losses. I mean – the ones you just laid out, a touchdown loss to Bama, one point loss to Ole Miss. Yeah, this is a team that was really good last year, and they do return a lot of guys from that team. I think they lost Traylon Burks, right? They're a really good receiver. So that was kind of a little bit more of a question mark for them this year. And, and there are some others, but certainly they, they did some really impressive things. And what they did show is they could play just about anybody, you know, toe-to-toe. I mean, uh, I guess the Georgia game, right, was probably their – worst performance with Georgia 37 nothing yeah I mean 
Georgia first forced a lot of teams into their worst performances <laughs> the last season. So I think that was kind of an outlier. Um, KJ Jefferson, by the way, Wes, you mentioned that bowl game against Penn State did throw a pick in that game, but I think the previous six regular season games had not thrown a pick. So again, does a just kind of a, a side note there, does a really, really um, good job, you know, in terms of taking care of the football. But yeah, I mean, th- this is look. I think South Carolina, I went back and looked at last season, given that there is a decent amount of roster carryover, same offense, same quarterback, some similarities there. I went back and looked kind of what is the formula, and I think it is that Auburn game. You know, that was an upset. Auburn beating at the time number seven Arkansas. What was the formula? And here's one that I think one piece that's a big key for South Carolina. Auburn – scored early they scored first i think they scored on their first drive they went down six play 75 yard drive they get up seven nothing arkansas answers with a field goal auburn comes back scores again on a non-play 65 yard drive now they're up 14 to three and ultimately they're up 14 10 at the half so they had to go finish the game which they did if 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 it's the second quarter and South Carolina's down a couple touchdowns, you probably don't feel great. If they're down 10 points, you probably don't feel great. This Arkansas team is one that is built more to, you know, they can certainly make explosive plays, but I think they're built to be able to get on you and make it difficult to come back. That's what we saw in the Cincinnati game last week. Andrew had another great stat, Andrew Hutchinson, during the show yesterday. The end of that Cincinnati game, Arkansas sat on the ball. They're able to run out the clock, basically. Uh, what was it, five minutes or so left? Cincinnati's down a score, and they don't get the ball back. So, with their running game and how difficult it can be to defend with K.J. Jefferson, how well he takes care of the ball, you don't want to go into the fourth quarter, you know, down in, in this one. And it carries over, West to a point that a lot of Gamecock fans have been talking about even today here in the chat section is, South Carolina has got to get out to a faster start, just regardless in games, especially on the road. But I think that is magnified in this contest that they've got to get out. They need to go score early in the first quarter. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, before we go any further, I want to hit on that point a little bit more. Um, you got to overcome your taxiety if you still have taxiety. Hopefully you don't have it yet because uh, we're not that close to tax time. But if you do, and if you want to go ahead and get prepared, uh, give our friends here at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576, a call. Um, if you start if you start a business, if you own a small business, if you owe the IRS money, um, whatever issues you may have going into uh, tax time, which uh, actually will be here before we know it, uh, our friends here in Columbia, there's three locations around the Midlands, Lexington, Irmo, and Columbia itself. Uh, Liberty Tax, a wonderful sponsor of the GC Live Show, 803-462-5576. One more time, that's 803-462-5576. We appreciate Larry and the team at Liberty Tax for being big supporters of GC Live. Appreciate you, Larry. Um, Y'all go check them out. We, We just encourage you to consider supporting the folks who support this show. Chris, I think that's one of those things you can kind of say it in every game, but it's amplified when you look at South Carolina on the road last year, man. I mean, um, ECU 
they come back and win, but they're down two scores in that game. Um, I'll try to go through. Georgia, I mean, Georgia just was Georgia throughout that game. I don't think it was a matter of, like, how you started versus how you finished. That was just Georgia being Georgia. Tennessee, though, you know, started. That was the slowest start of the year, I think, for South Carolina as a team. Um, Texas A&M, bad start, obviously. I also chalk that up to just, I mean, A&M is a bad matchup for South Carolina, and they controlled that game throughout. But if you look at all their road games, man, um, that you know, they had to try to come back against Missouri as well and, and made it, you know, made it tight, but, uh, you know, obviously lost that game. They they have just not started fast on the road. And I tend to sometimes, Chris, think that stats like that are you can just kind of chalk it up to, all right, you're playing really good opponents maybe. Um, you know, Georgia A&M and even Tennessee to an extent, like, yeah, like they, they kind of just – their offense was, was rolling at the beginning. But I think when something like that happens throughout the course of – you know, the year for road games, it's at least worth a conversation about why this is happening internally. And, you know, Beamer and the staff, uh, I, I believe it's been Colin that's asked this question multiple times in multiple different ways this offseason. What can you do to clean up some of the road woes? And, you know, I would go even more specifically – early you know first quarter on the road you don't even have to start fast i think it's just can you start like if this is nothing to nothing at the end of the first quarter you're probably happy from a south carolina standpoint who i mean that's a good point in that it's it's a tight game i think gamecock fans would love to see at least a three on the board, you know, at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Unless it's like 21 to three, then you don't feel good at all, right? Yeah. But if uh, you've held Jefferson to nothing, I feel like you're a good start. Yeah. Well, here's what you want to see, just as, as a general point for this offense. It's magnified during this game, but this is a general trend. You want to see the offense be the aggressor. Last season, they were just so ill equipped to do that, it seems like. This year, they have more tools to where they should be, which is a big reason why I think people are so disappointed, especially in that building, with how the Georgia State game played out. Yeah, you did score early-ish there, but you didn't take it to Georgia State that whole game. And so now that's got people worried, can't do it against Georgia State. Can you do it against competition? Is it an outlier? Will they actually play better? It's still a question, right? Still very much a question. But we have seen this team, you know, defensively, we know that they are capable of playing pretty well. You know, based on what we saw at times last year, they're obviously very inconsistent, had some really poor performances too. But they've got enough guys back, enough experience. The way they played in game one, you know, you feel like they can be solid and at times they can be the aggressor defensively. Special teams, we know South Carolina is going to be very aggressive. They're going to take the fight to the other team and make them catch up and have them on their heels. This offense needs to do that. They need to come out and score early. They need to come out and establish early to Arkansas that we can move the ball. Here are some things that we can do against you, and now it's up to you to stop it. And that's a big reason for South Carolina's struggles last year is because they weren't able to do that early in games, and they really weren't able to do it at all, right, in terms of being very aggressive and, and having the defense on its heels. So 
that's why it's so important that these things we're talking about with making explosive plays, hitting some plays in the passing game that I think will be there. Um, when Arkansas sends a blitz, make them pay. When you have a one-on-one matchup, Spencer Rattler and the receiver, make them pay for that. Now you're taking the fight to Arkansas, and they're not able to just completely control the game with what they want to do on offense. So, Chris, let's play the game. How many points does South Carolina have to score to win this game? I I talked about it a bit yesterday. I was getting some chat takes on it. I I keep I feel like this is a high twenties, low thirties type game. And I just kind of keep going back to whichever team has the 30 in there is going to win. Like I, I, for some reason, I keep going back to like 31 27, 31 28 as being the final score to this game. I just, I don't know which team's going to have the 30, but what, what do you think it's going to take to where you're like, ah, I'm pretty comfortable that if I told you South Carolina scored X points before the game, did they win or lose? How how do, how high does that need to be for you to be comfortable thinking South Carolina won? Yeah, and I don't think this absolutely has to be the number, but like even again, let's let's give the standard disclaimer about last season was last season. But you look at the game; they lost four games. They gave up 37, 51, 38, and thirty five. So when you look at that, if you think there's any carryover this year, you're going, oh my gosh, where are all these points coming from? You know, for South Carolina. At the same time, if you told me after the game, South Carolina scored 35, I probably think that they win, you know. I don't think they have to get there because I think part of their formula is going to be, you know, trying to shorten the game up, trying to force Arkansas and K.J. Jefferson specifically into some uncharacteristic mistakes, which statistically uh, maybe you don't feel great about because he doesn't do that very often, right? But – um. I think if South Carolina scores, yeah, it, it would need to be in the upper 20s or in the 30s. If you do that, I think you have a chance to win depending on how the rest of the game plays out. Yeah, I, that, that's kind of the number I'm, I'm at. I think not all – in some ways, not all scoring outputs are equal. And what I mean by that, a 31 or a 35, as you said, a 35 by South Carolina – isn't necessarily just looking at it from the context we are isn't necessarily the same as a 35 from Tennessee which may have scored 35 points in like 10 minutes of possession uh you know it's like if South Carolina scores that that many points it'll probably be a little bit more methodical a little you know there's probably a few less possessions for the opponent um that said I do not that they're going to turn into Tennessee or Ole Miss or anything like that I do think introducing some more tempo, if they can find some rhythm, you know, Satterfield was asked about that this week. You know, why wasn't there more tempo? And, I mean, I think the natural – I think everybody knew the answer, and that's the exact answer Satterfield gave. You have to have a little success. Like, you have to have some rhythm to feel comfortable going into tempo. You don't go tempo on first down. You go tempo after you've – you don't go tempo on your first first down is what I'm trying to say. You go tempo after you've achieved – a first down and feel some rhythm and feel some momentum on your side offensively. So if they move the ball, 
maybe you know maybe you do introduce a little bit more tempo and try to do some of those things but as always i think it's going to be kind of a you go different paces like you go different speeds as far as how quickly you line up and how quickly you snap the ball i got the impression chris listening to marcus satterfield he made a comment and he was more talking about like pointing fingers and the fact nobody was pointing fingers I went a little bit deeper. He was like talking about last year to this year. I I think they had much higher expectations for themselves as a just total offense than what we saw this past Saturday. Like I, I think last year, you know, yeah, you can you can nitpick it and it was ugly and we're not gonna like just sit here and blindly defend it, but you can also explain a lot of the reasons why from last year. Sure. I got the feeling just listening to him talk and things I've just heard around the program, they expected internally for there to be a lot more offense last week. So I'll be curious to see how much of that was week one, how much of that was week one, just little week one stuff, and can they clean some of it up going into this Saturday with Arkansas? Yeah, and, and this is going to be a good test of that um, because, go back to it, even though we, we've laid out a lot of the difficulties in this game, aside from playing on the road, you know, the quarterback you're facing, et cetera, et cetera, the offensive style you're facing, um, it, it's a difficult game, but it, it this is one of the more winnable games. And so, uh, especially with Arkansas defensively, broken record alert, there's probably going to be some plays there. And so if South Carolina walks out of this one just looking kind of dysfunctional and, and not very good, you know, maybe – I know it would just be game two, but given what they're going to face, you might be sounding the alarm a little bit more. We might be on a Monday GC Live saying, uh-oh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the deal with the offense this time? But you're right. I mean, you could tell I don't think anybody's pressing the panic button in the building – because I do think they recognize that this is not 2021, right? There, there are new faces. There are reasons to think, from especially from a talent perspective, there's kind of help on the way, and that they're more they are capable of playing a lot better. And so, maybe it is chalk it up to week one. And I think another thing, Wes, here's something that's gotten a little bit lost: Spencer Rattler and Marcus Satterfield both use the word press that late in the game. They pressed a little bit. Spencer on that interception said he was pressing a little bit, trying to make a play. Didn't didn't need that throw, but he tried to make it anyway. Marcus Satterfield even mentioned, which I actually appreciate that, Wes. When when yeah. you know this has nothing to do with the on field production, anything. I appreciate when a coach can go up and say, I was trying to do this or I made this mistake, or here's what I was thinking, I can actually appreciate that more than coach speak. Oh, we'll get it corrected and, you know, whatever. I appreciated that. He said late in the game he was kind of trying to manufacture some yardage and pressed a little bit, you know. So that's what South Carolina has to avoid, and that's why it's so important for them to – you know, again, you can't go down 14 points – in the fourth quarter and feel great about Carolina winning this game because of Arkansas style. And because this is an offense that's shown that it's built to be able to come back from those types of deficits. You don't want the offense pressing in this game. You want them to be able to be the aggressor. 
how different of a conversation are we having on Monday? South, if South Carolina, let's say they lose the game. If they lose the game 35 to 31, as opposed to 21 to 17. A lot different. Like, it's going to be completely different. It's a, a four-point loss. Yeah. It would be entirely different. Yeah. Because you're saying, well, the offense scored 31 on the road against an SEC opponent. The defense was just up against a beast in K.J. Jefferson. Because that's probably what happens is Jefferson just – I mean, you look – dude, I had it pulled up earlier. I may, I maybe still do. Yeah, I do. Jefferson has some weird – stat lines um, yes he only threw for 98 against penn state they won 24 to 10 but when he has to i mean 262 against missouri 326 against alabama then you have a run of him where he was under 200 yards passing 142 at lsu 191 against mississippi state 194 arkansas pine bluff 228 against auburn 326 against Ole miss um 65 against Georgia, but I don't count anything that happened against Georgia last year, to be honest with you. Um, interestingly enough, when he has to – let's see. I want to make sure I'm making a right comment. When he has to throw for 300 yards, that actually usually means they don't win. That was the point I was going to make. We we talked about it earlier this week. It sounds weird to say, to talk about how integral this guy is to their offense, right? How he's going to be the toughest matchup for a defense, but yet your best chance to win is to put the ball in his hands more, right? It's, it kind of sounds backwards, but it's a little different because of the type of player he is. Having K.J. Jefferson be able to hand the ball off run the ball on the zone read type stuff, the option stuff. That That's what you don't want. That's what you have to avoid. I think going back to that, certainly his stat lines are amazing. Like you go look at last year, again, 70%, four interceptions all season. That's because they did such a good job of giving him, you know, safe throws and being able to run the ball so effectively. John Cockroach brings up Traylon Burks, who's now in the NFL, they don't have him. They have Hazelwood and Landers, Trey Knox. Those guys, at least right now, are not Burks. You go back and look at the Cincinnati game, Wes, pointed this out previously. Even though his stat line was great, not a great performance from Jefferson. He missed some throws. He struggled a little bit with accuracy on intermediate stuff. So I think if South Carolina can get them into some situations where he may need feel the need to go make a play and now you don't have Burks out there that that's actually what you want you want to make him beat you as a passer which he's capable of doing but that is your best shot yeah you, and you want to maybe make him start to press a little bit and feel like he has to put the ball in danger a little bit and and make some plays not a you know good good point by John Cockroach who I think um is the same screen name I've seen making some really nice posts on GC lately on the insiders forum. So John, appreciate you uh, joining the show and appreciate you making those posts, man. Those are good. Um, 
as much as I like to think and hope that, you know, we all have good content on GC, the Insiders Forum is made infinitely better, exponentially better when fans are, are putting great input on there. And, and John has done that lately. Chris, uh, I think it's about time to wrap this thing up, man. Um, again, we're live. I'm live from the Market Party Express. Uh, Chris is live from uh, the woods in Arkansas somewhere with a scenic background. Um, beautiful day in Columbia, beautiful day in Arkansas as well. I saw, I think it's going to be 81 degrees at kickoff, um, which you'll, you'll take it. And uh, all right, man, what's uh, give us a final sentence, I guess. So are we doing score predictions or are we saying we? this for a written version? I don't remember what I put. Give, give us yours. I'm, I'm going to effort this. I know who I had to win. So, every, everything about this game is kind of weird. Like, saying that you, you want their best player to have the ball more. Uh, sitting here talking about how South Carolina needs to score in the 30s to win, but yet that will actually not be what I predict. I, I have gone, Wes, probably back and forth more on this one than any other game. There was maybe one game last year where I went back and forth on a prediction. For the most part, I felt pretty good. There were probably two last year, Florida being one of them because there was such a train wreck coming in. I, uh, I've gone back and forth on this one a lot. I actually am going to take Carolina. 27-24. So we're not in that 30-point range that we alluded to. I'm not sold that South Carolina can get there. But I think uh, – this will be a weird game because I am here. Uh, I'm sick. I have Carolina has a six and five record on the road. Uh, when I go see SEC games, there's been a six point average margin of victory. There's been three overtime games, and many of them have made absolutely no sense. So maybe against my better judgment, uh, that's what I'm going to pick. I think Carolina does just enough defensively, and I think they hit some of these big plays that we've talked about offensively and walk out with a thrilling win against Arkansas. What was your score again, Chris? 27-24 Carolina. Uh, see, I thought you were going to go with a six-point a six point margin of victory <laughs> in overtime is what I you should have. Done, I feel like. Yeah. Continue the trend. Um, all right, y'all don't boo me or throw tomatoes. I have Arkansas winning. Uh, I picked 31-27. to 27. Um, I keep going again back to that number. Yep. Um, I guess we have South Carolina scoring the same number. It's just um, you have you have the defense holding them down a little bit more than I do. Um, we'll see, y'all. I just it's hard for me to predict an SEC road victory against oh, absolutely team until until I see it. And I know uh, <laughs> Mark's booing. Um, I'm keeping it real with y'all. You can't get mad at me for that. Um, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. It'd be a lot more fun week with you guys if we're talking about a massive Gamecock victory. Um, so we'll see, man. I uh, Can they run the football? Can they hit some of those big plays? And just Jefferson's going to get his yards. There's no question. Can you limit? Can you can you keep it from being like a Heisman <laughs> performance? Um and, and limit the, the big throws. I, I do think that's – I think Carolina's secondary being able to kind of keep a receiving core that's just hasn't proved they're great yet in check and limit those big plays 
is something that does kind of play into South Carolina's favor. So we'll see. They got a massive front, um, Arkansas does, offensively. I think it's a huge test for Carolina's uh, front seven. And I think for like Mo Caba and those guys, can you can you handle K.J. Jefferson while also worrying about Trey Knox getting behind you down the seam? Uh, they ran that jump pass uh, down at the goal line. It's so hard to think aggressive, 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 come up and hit the quarterback, come up and hit the quarterback, and then they freaking lob the ball right over your head for a touchdown on a jump pass. So those things are difficult, man. But we'll see. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun, interesting game, and uh, we'll be right here. We will have one final uh, discussion. Kendall Smith and I will have our Before the Sandstorm, which is a little just quick breakdown of the game. Um, this, as always, has been presented by our buddy Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Also, I want to give a quick shout-out to my buddy Chris Payne, his wife Leslie, on the birth of their second child, my goddaughter Charlie. Um, congrats to them. Awesome moment for them. Uh, mama and baby are doing great, so I wanted to give them a shout-out. Uh, Chris, enjoy Arkansas, man. Do we know where we're going to lunch yet? We don't. We don't know. Uh, last night we checked out a couple spots. Uh, I know. I know some Gamecocks are coming into town because I've talked with them. Um, so it should be a pretty decent crowd. We checked out Feed and Folly last night, which was a cool rooftop spot in the square in downtown Fayetteville. And uh, right after we get off here, Wes, we'll go figure out what the game plan is for a little breakfast. There will hopefully be bacon, which does give a little razor. <laughs> I really don't care who Carolina's playing. I'm going to try to shoehorn bacon into the breakfast anyway because bacon rules. Yes. Um, but I'm going to go check it out later. And you know what? I won't have a Kendall Smith-style vlog because I'm not as talented as she is, but uh, I will I will come back and report on what we found in Fayetteville. So you're not walking around with a GoPro the whole time? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But I, I, will, I will make mental notes. You'll report I back. I, I will be reporting back. Awesome. All right. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell. This has been fun, y'all. Again, I was at the live, live from the Market Party Express. Y'all check it out. Check out Gamecock Central Instagram at Gamecock Central. Later on on Friday, I will be posting, uh, put in your score predictions for South Carolina, Arkansas to win two party tickets to the Market Party Express for the pregame for the South Carolina, Georgia game. He's Chris. I'm Wes. Y'all have a great weekend and we'll see you soon. Step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.